Are you considering bariatric surgery but feel overwhelmed with all the information? Wondering where to begin and what to do so you have the best success and outcome? Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Joining me via Skype from Western Australia is Sonara Stallenhoff, who's going to share her story of preparation and success. A virtual assistant specializing in digital marketing automation by day and wife and mom of two kids, ages 10 and 8, by 9. Sonara had a gastric sleeve in February 2016 and lost 57 kilograms or 125 pounds and 9 stones. You can find out more about Sonara on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Just click on the podcast for her episode and then the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Sonara. Hello, it's great to be here and thank you for having me on. Oh, we're just excited that you're joining us. You know, Sonara, you told me that you couldn't blame baby weight anymore for your weight changes. Would you share your story about your health and weight over your lifetime that led you to make the decision for surgery? Yeah, sure. Well, definitely couldn't blame baby weight when you've got an eight and 10 year old. That's a little bit beyond now. So, but leading into it, you know, I was an average size teen, like a very um, fit, and, fit and healthy size teen. But um, looking back, but I, and I wouldn't have considered myself fat when I look back on my photos. Um, but kids are really cruel. And because I you know, had the hips and had curves at a younger age, even though I was still only a size Australian 10, um, I was called fat. So this led me to believe I was fat. And so I had a mental image that I was, was fat. So after high school and when I was responsible for my own food, um, I actually started gaining some weight and I didn't actually notice my physical image changing when my men- because it was just catching up to my mental image. So from there, um, obviously I'd gain weight and I'd see the scales go up and then I'd feel you know, the need to have to do something about it. And so that's where my whole yo-yoing um, diet regime yeah. started, where I'd gain weight and lose weight and gain weight and lose weight. But over the years, I'd um, gain weight, but I'd never lose as much as I had gained. And then when I start gaining again, I would gain more. <laughs> so yeah. it was it was like climbing a mountain. Yeah. The old yo-yo, <laughs> right? The old yeah, yo-yo. <laughs> yeah, definitely the yo-yo. And then, um, then children obviously came in the mix. Um, and that's where sort of my base was always sitting at about 80 kilos or 176 pounds. And no matter how much I tried, um, I just couldn't get under that. I just couldn't stick a program out. Um, so 80 was probably like my minimum weight and then I'd yo-yo higher than that. Um, and then at the age of uh, 33, I I actually hit triple digits. I got up to over a hundred kilo on a five foot two frame, which is pretty short. (laughs) So I think I was about as tall as I was round. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, um, because of the yo-yoing nature, I felt like I had tried everything under the sun and I knew my problem was like a lack of willpower with food. Um, and I could, I could be good for so long, uh, when I was a hundred percent focused, but as soon as life threw a spanner in the works, it was, that was it. It was over. All the bad habits would come in and using food as that emotional crux would, um, overpower everything that I'd just done. So in the end, um, I would say that the surgical option was my last resort. Um, I'd just given up trying everything else. And, you know, I think so many people, Sonara, can sit there and go, you know, I get it. I get this yo-yo back and forth and this willpower issue that's good for a while and then not good for a while. So 
Once you made the decision to have surgery, you mentioned that your preparation was a, a two and a half year process. Now, some of you may go, say what? Did, what did you just <laughs> say? So <laughs> would you tell us about what was involved and why your journey? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, two and a half years before my surgery date, um, I was up to about 96 kilos. So I was you know, up back on, on the top of my yo-yo. Um, and my, I, I was like, right, I need to do something about it. Uh, my, my marriage was having a few issues at that time because, because of my weight, I wasn't happy. Um, and my husband was picking up on that. And so I decided to start a new fitness program, but at the same time, my best friend who uh, was also a, a larger girl, um, had the surgery as well. Um, and so we were both sort of doing this fitness program or weight loss program at the same time we both had different methods and I hadn't done any any research on surgery at all like I I know um, my friend I won't name her because she's more of a secret sleeper than me so I definitely won't name her Um, no problem so so, uh, you know she she had done a little bit of research and went yep I'm doing this and and that was the right decision for her and I hadn't done any research at all and the thought of scary uh, cutting two-thirds of my stomach out absolutely scared me so I was like right I'm going to give this go this a go I can do this through diet and exercise I've done it before I can do it again and so um, I started my new health kick at the same time and we were closely monitoring each other's paths um, my friend was losing weight quite fast and wasn't exercising much at all it just didn't quite fit in with her lifestyle um, whereas I was exercising heavily and restricting my food heavily um, and initially, I, I lost weight quickly. I lost nine kilos in six weeks, and I was very excited by that. Um, and things started to slow down. I did go from you know 96 down to 80, um, but I just again couldn't get under the 80. And I was able to maintain the exercise for you know probably about three months, um, and you know maintain the diet as well. But I had to be so strict and very limiting, and very limiting when you go out to eat and things like that. Um, and I just found it was really hard to maintain that. Uh, even with exercising two hours a day, I wasn't working at that point. My husband said to me, look, focus on your health. So I stopped working and focused on my health. So I, was, I had the time to exercise two hours a day. Um, but I started getting injured, having the extra weight on me and doing high-intensity exercise and running. Um, it absolutely shattered my shins with shin splits and also my knees sort of blew out a little bit and had too much pain to the point where even going for a 5k walk was too much. Um, plus I started working again because I thought I had everything under control. So I introduced work back again and then everything came unstuck. So between work and the injuries, um, the weight just started piling back on. Yeah, and you know you watched your friend closely because you said you mm. wanted to see how she was yeah. going to deal with emotional life yeah. changes after her surgery. Tell us more about that. Yeah, so obviously, you know, I'm watching for her results as well because, um, you know, obviously if I wanted to give surgery a go, I needed to see what it was going to actually do physically to someone. So that was why I was watching so closely. But also, you know, we both had very similar emotional um, ties with food that, you know, if something goes wrong, we go straight for food. 
uh, which I think a lot of people do. Uh, yeah, um, I, 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 to- I totally think that that, especially among women, although it's not totally women, <laughs> that uh, food is such a comfort for so many people that things happen and you turn to food, it's there, it's available, it's legal. You know, there's just, it's, it calls your name. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, just on, you know, you've got your normal day-to-day life stress of being a mum and, and obviously she was also she, a working mum as well and she, I could see her just being able to control everything. You know, her day just went so much smoother because she had her food under control, she was still losing weight, she was doing heavier hours in her job and I could see that all working really well. But then she also fell pregnant 18 months after the sleeve um, and I saw, you know, for me, I, I blow out when I'm with my pregnancies. I gained 30 odd kilos and she looked like such a beautiful pregnant woman with this tiny, um, you know, tiny body and a beautiful belly bump. And I was like, oh, that's just so beautiful. But I, after her um, pregnancy, she actually started going through a few marriage troubles. So she went through, she has gone through a separation and still hasn't gained weight. So I'm like, oh my God, you, can, you literally can throw anything at her and it's not going to show in her body anymore which she is over the moon about like the fact that she can go through all these different life changes and stop that yo-yo yeah, that's great that she's yeah. that she's learned how to handle those mm-hmm. events without going back to food did you yeah. think did you think you could do that too that you could handle life's events the same way because life's events affect eating habits for everyone not just somebody who's had surgery yeah, yeah. Well, definitely before. Um, I mean, you, you ask any of my friends, they know they, they will say that I'm one of the strongest people out with <laughs> handling life events. Um, but, uh, you know, they didn't see the secret eating going on behind. You know, they'd see me gain weight, but they, they wouldn't put two and two together of why. Um, so I, I would show a lot of resilience face to face, but then, you know, it would come out in my eating. And there is no way I would have been able to get on top of that without the surgery. Um, and I've definitely got on top of that after the surgery, which is been fantastic. Yeah, this is what I love about your story. So you decided to do your homework. That was so smart, Sonara. Tell us about this process, because it's pretty cool what you went through and how you methodically thought this out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, you know, obviously, starting two and a half years ago, that two and a half year moment was purely the fact that I've heard about the surgery because my friend was getting it done. I knew I had a, a year. Uh, before I would qualify to be able to have the surgery. And that year was up in December 2015. No, 2016 is when I had my surgery. Yeah, 2016 is when I had my surgery. So 2015 was when I was due to be qualified, but we had a few complications that pushed it back a little mm-hmm. bit. And so, um, yeah. And during that time, you worked with a psychologist, which I think is so and, uh, and critical in terms of good outcomes. Yeah, definitely. So obviously when I went to my GP to get a referral to a surgeon, a part of that was, you know, okay, well, are you mentally prepared to make this change? You know, what's what's going to change if you just have your stomach cut out? Are you actually going to change what you're going to eat? You know, you, you're in control of what you put in your mouth. And so here in Australia, we have a mental health plan. And so we could get uh, some cheaper visits to a psychologist. And I thought, you know what, that was actually a good idea to make sure I'm in the best state of mind possible. And I'm really ready to make all these changes. Um, So yeah, I had a a few sessions with a psychologist and we spoke about mindful eating and sort of got to the the crux of the problem. Um, At the time, I was also working with a life coach. 
my, my boss did a quite a lot of sessions with me as well to sort of get to the bottom of it. So not only did I have a um, psychologist, but I also worked with a life coach, which made a massive difference. Yeah, that's fabulous. That's really uh, good mm. thinking. And because, if, you know, in, in the surgery or prior to the surgery, it's not always it's about food. It's also about what's going on inside of you, mm. the emotions and yeah. the tie of those emotions to food. So doing what you did to dig about that ahead of time was very smart. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But um, it also helped because during this year, we got the rug pulled out from under us. Um, so I was waiting for my surgery and it was all focusing on me and my surgery. And then um, Hubby went for a work medical and he came back with some alarming news on this work medical that had to be investigated. And he was diagnosed with a genetic disorder that causes tumors throughout his body, but mostly in his kidney. Uh, deemed cancerous and some of them are not cancerous, but basically his kidneys look like cauliflower, not beans. So the poor bu- Poor bugger. He's, um, oh my goodness! Go through a bit. Yeah, wow! So wow! Talk about stress and how you're going to handle life's events. <laughs> oh yeah. So obviously um, the stress of this because it is a rare condition. So it took us a long time to get a proper diagnosis. Well, the diagnosis came easily. It was a long time to get a proper treatment plan that's not going to ruin his quality of life. Uh, so it was a very stressful condition um time especially because it's a genetic condition we didn't know if the kids were clear sure um so my weight ballooned out to 108.9 kilos during this because literally we'd go to the doctors get more bad news i'd stop at the shops buy up on food i'd bag a lot of these chocolate bar and chips and a bottle of coke and i would go home and smash the lot sure so Um, the yo-yo started again yeah i ballooned out um but something that really stopped me in my tracks is uh, he will need a kidney to transplant later on down the track. Um, uh, we asked the, the doctors, you know, can I donate a kidney for my husband? Because mm-hmm. luckily we're the same blood type. So that was like the first hurdle. And they took one look at me and said, no, you're actually too fat. You have to be a healthy weight to donate a live organ. And that just spurred me on. I was like, wow, at that time, you know, my kids hadn't been cleared yet. So it's like my kids may need a kidney in the future and my husband needs a, definitely needs a kidney. And this process really, it took a lot of time and very careful planning, especially with what you were dealing with, with your husband. And interesting, you mentioned that you noticed that some people were considering the sleeve as the whole solution, whereas others were considering it just as a tool along with eating and exercise. Um, So what was it? Was it anything that just sticks out in your mind in particular that helped you identify that for yourself and say, oh, no, you know, for me, it's got to be about the exercise and the eating and, and you know, a, a tool versus one way yeah, or the other? Yeah. Okay. So this is really a personal opinion of mine. And I really don't mean to offend anyone out there that's choosing to use the, the sleeve as a total tool. That's completely your choice, your, your path. But for me as a yo-yo my entire adult life, it means I've learned many times how to eat correctly and how to exercise and the importance of both in in weight loss and to be healthy. So it is just that my execution of these programs before was never great long term. So what I found in my research is that some people didn't want to try other options before the sleep or was just not educated enough to know how to do other options before the sleep. Um, To me, the sleeve really was the last resort, not the first option. Because I wanted to give it a good go. I wanted to see if I could do everything on my own. And in the end, I couldn't. I needed some help. So treating it as the first option means, you know, some people 
may have not put the required learning into knowing how to eat healthy, the understanding the difference between good carbs, bad carbs, why sugar should be limited, why protein is so important, or um, you know what exercise is going to do. I've seen many people actually on forums say that you know once they lose the weight, they'll start exercising to tone it up. And for me, I kind of cringe when I hear that because when you're losing weight so rapidly and maybe not following the correct diet, um, you can really lose a lot of muscle mass. Um, I even noticed it just a couple of weeks after surgery that I couldn't open jars. And I'm like, I've always been a strong person. I couldn't even open a jar because I'd lost a little bit of muscle mass. Um, so for me, I've really got to focus on maintaining my muscle and, and that type of stuff. And, and to see people saying, I'll do it when I get to the end. And I was, it's, it's just that education that comes into it. So, um, and also just seeing people confessing eating the wrong foods. I think I was five days out and I had a sleeping buddy that was already going to Macca's and getting frozen Cokes, um, spiders and things like that. So the frozen Coke with the soft serve ice cream, I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. that's, that, that's where I actually had to bail out of a couple of groups. Cause I was like, no, I've got mine I've got my path and I need to do it my way yeah and stay with it and you know you're very you're very correct because many times people think well I've lost weight and that they assume that all weight loss is fat loss and that's not correct I mean weight Mm. loss is always a mixture of loss of lean muscle mass along with the fat so and that you realize that and realize that when you were picking things up it's uh, and you're also correcting that weight loss surgery is much more successful when you see the surgery as one tool in the toolbox for weight loss success so learning how to eat well the value of good nutrition the right supplements plus the role of exercise and where it fits in your life all play a part they're all yeah. t- they're all tools, and you gained mm. a lot of insight from reading, you know, posts in Facebook Facebook groups and forums. All of that that's helped you a lot, from what I'm hearing, right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely did. So reading through all the research and ignoring what people did wrong, <laughs> because I, I, that's not the path I wanted to go down, um, led me to understand that the sleeve is really just one tool, and along with diet and exercise, I started following Instagram pages of people who were being successful. Um, and kind of you've got to ignore the ones that aren't. You've got to follow the ones that are being successful and see what they're doing. Saw that they were in the gym regularly. Saw that they were still controlling their portions visually, and it may have been with a, um, with a bowl or, a, or the plate, but also you know they had planned their meals out for the day. They actually would take photos of, this is all the stuff that I'm going to eat today. So they weren't relying on the sleeve to tell them they were full. They weren't just serving up a portion and going, oh, the sleeve will stop, stop me. They, they were literally going, this is how much my sleeve can cope with and this is what I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. And um, I could see the clear difference between their bodies like from people that were just losing weight and doing it the wrong way. Um, well, I won't say wrong way. It's a different way. Doing it a different way to someone that was using the correct portions of food and the exercise, you could just you could see the difference in the body with how everything was pulling in. First thing, obviously, with a food addiction problem is that I, I had the help from the psychologist and going through a number of se- sessions of the mindful eating to understand and control my emotional connections with food. Yeah, and would you, would you stop right there? I want to, yeah, I want to ask you a question. So you said, yeah. um, okay, as someone with a food addiction, when you say the word food addiction, I think a lot of different meanings will come to different people's minds. 
what does that mean to you when you're saying I had a food addiction problem? Explain that just a little bit more. I want to understand, you know, how food affected you. Did the surgery stop that or did other treatments like mindfulness change that? Okay, basically it was a combination of both. So food addiction to me was the fact that I couldn't ignore food. Um, so food was on my mind a number of, like pretty much all day. Um, so say I was going to, over to a friend's house for a kid's birthday party and the, all the food is laid out. The food is there for the kids. I couldn't ignore it and I felt like I had to sneak and like, is anyone watching me so I could grab something off this table because all the food looks so good and I can't ignore it. I've got no willpower at, at all. And it, you know, it, I hated that thinking that people were like, oh, wow, Sarah's at a, at a kid's birthday party and she can't, can't control what she's eating. That's horrible. Um, but I wouldn't do it, obviously, in front of other people. Um, I'd, I'd be hiding it. So if you're having to hide it, you know you've got a problem. Um, but, yeah, it was just one of those things. That food, food played a massive part of my mind all day, every day, and I just couldn't control um, control the link really yeah and I think a lot of people will definitely say that's me I do that very same thing so Mm. go in in just a little bit different direction let's talk about your support team because in addition to your fabulous husband who's really supportive of you tell Mm. us a little bit more about your support team yeah so obviously family family first and they've been ultra supportive because I need to be away from the house for hours each week um and working full time this always happens in the evening which is family meal time so I'm often not home in the evenings or early mornings on the weekends because I'm either out running or at the gym so they've been really supportive with the amount of time I've had to take away from the family and they haven't made me feel guilty at all for having to take this time out to look after me um but then also uh, who else is in uh, um, my support team is my personal trainer. Started off easy and built it, built it up as my weight came down. So I did do it very smartly and don't get scared. They're not going to make you do a K of burpees when you, <laughs> at your first session or anything like that. But yeah, building the muscle mass and maintaining uh, muscle and not losing muscle mass has meant that my running um, improves. As my weight came down, I started incorporating running and my times just got better and better. Well, we need to take a short break, but when we come back, Sonara will share her surgery experience, complication, and the five ways she prepped for success. Don't you go anywhere. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Welcome back. Don't forget to subscribe to our Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast on your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes and Google Play. If you need help, just go to our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. We'll show you how. It's so easy. Also, while you're there, check out the great courses we offer you, our community. They're also on our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. You can surround yourself with positive ideas, with like-minded people. You can study a particular topic for six weeks or more. It's a great way to stay motivated and have the opportunity to speak directly with some of our experts in a Facebook group. There's probably a course starting soon that will be just what you need. So check it out, beyondbariatricsurgery.com. Joining me via Skype from Western Australia is Sonara Stalenhoff. Tell us just a little bit about the surgery experience and your progress and any complications that you experienced. 
Yeah, sure, absolutely. So going into surgery, you got to have an open mind of the fact that anything can happen. Um, as, as much as you prepare, you've got to be prepared that you know something may go wrong or you may have a complication. But for me, I was really lucky. I, I had a very smooth sailing um, surgery. Everything uh, went, went really well and I followed my surgeon's instructions to a T. I started the pre-op diet three weeks before surgery and I also started walking daily at this point. So in three weeks prior, I managed to build up my walking to four to five times a week and up to 5Ks, which is your 3.1 miles at a time, um, which is pretty pretty hefty for someone that's um, you know weighing close to 110 kilos. So that was hard going for me, but I did it. Um, the surgery itself was actually complication-free. It actually went really smoothly and um, the recovery went really well. Just the usual gas pain that you get in sort of your, your shoulders and your chest, um, but that sort of cleared out after the first week. And by week two, I was starting to feel um, absolutely normal again in terms of um, recovery from a surgery. Um, but then obviously with the food side of things, you, you've got to go through that initial um you know, liquid diet and everything like that. But I did follow my instructions to a T. Right. And I know you resumed walking. You were saying, you know, you did the pre-op diet three weeks before and then you started walking daily. When did you resume? What did your surgeon tell you about your regular walking? Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, you know, I am all gung-ho. I'm ready to do this. I mean, lose, <laughs> lose, lose the weight. And so I was talking to my surgeon about what I'm allowed to do. And he said, you can resume walking after one week after surgery. So I did. Um, the first one was very hard. It was a very much a shorter walk, um, because I was still recovering. Obviously I didn't feel normal, normal until about two to three weeks after. So walking one week after was very slow. (laughs) That's okay. But you were out there and you did it. You did it. Yeah. It's all about getting that routine back because I'd got such a good routine with it in that three weeks pre-op. I didn't want to drop the ball. Um, so I, I just got straight back on the wagon and if I had to do shorters, shorter distances I did and then you know made it my my habit to just increase the distance as I went so any complications at all okay so from a surgical point of view initially um, with the initial surgery no complications there uh, from a food point of view I, I never threw up which was really I was really happy about um, because I did watch my portions very closely using my plate and bowl um, and just knowing those signs so I didn't actually throw up but I did have sort of food reactions with the dumping. So I'd find anything that was heavy in dairy um, would cause dump, dumping. So I quickly learned to don't try new foods out. <laughs> so if you're going to introduce new foods, do it at home first, see what happens and then know what to avoid and what to what, what's safe when you're out and about. But um, on a surgical perspective, I did develop a complication in December 2016 uh, with a gallbladder attack. I've heard that this is quite um common with, with uh, rapid weight loss um, and I can put it down to the fact that leading up to Christmas um, I was very busy with work and I was skipping a quite a lot of meals and I really wasn't noticing what was what was happening and I was feeling that my restriction was really tight um, so I was just sort of not eating as much but then um, you have your break over Christmas and you have Christmas Day and all this food's put out and eating little meals six times a day over Christmas um, sort of really upset my gallbladder. Uh, we managed to find a surgeon that was willing to operate at 6 p.m. on New Year's Eve. And so, yeah, I saw, I saw the New Year in, in surgery, which was awesome. But my first question was, you know, what can I do? And he said walking. So basically as soon as I felt healed enough from the surgery, I was out walking. And as soon as I felt healed from that, I started jogging. And then I, I just delayed lifting heavy weights for a while. 
Good. So now, you know, did you talk to your friends and family about the surgery? Uh, yes, yes. I am, um, if anyone asks, I am a terrible liar. <laughs> so, so I, I'm one of those brutally honest people because I cannot lie at all. So I, I wasn't going to hide the surgery. Yeah. Um, I know everyone is different and this is purely my personal choice. Um, and I, I didn't find it to be a problem. Uh, people would ask questions and mostly had positive experiences with it all. So, and, but I'm also lucky that I'm surrounded with positive people too. But you, know, you go out to a dining, uh, dining out with, with friends and stuff and if you can't share a meal with your hubby because your hubby's not there, um, right. you've got a lot left, yeah. a lot left on yeah. your plate. And uh, the, you, know, you always get weird looks from the waitresses going, is, is everything okay? And they're like, and I actually turn around and go, yeah, yeah, I've just had the gastric sleeve surgery. I've only got a small stomach. Can I get a takeaway container from this because it was lovely and I'd love to take it home for my next meal. Yeah, and, very, oh, you, you handle that oh, beautifully. So yeah, no one has a problem. In addition to your surgery and your support team, what other tools have been useful to you? Yeah, obviously, my, my portion plate and ball have been fantastic. So before so- surgery, I actually got these and they arrived and I was looking at them going, oh, wow, how is that ever going to be enough? Um, but then after surgery, you look at these these plates and bowls in a completely different light, wondering if you're ever going to finish a whole plate of food ever again. Um, and it's been really, really helpful for my husband too because he's what we, call, we deem a feeder. So when, <laughs> when he was cooked, he would serve me up pretty much the same size portion for him and he is a massive eater. And so for him, having these portion plates means he can't overload me too much and um, it just means he can still get the satisfaction out of cooking and serving dinner, but I can still keep the level where I need it to be. Yeah, <laughs> so you use Amanda's portion perfection plate and bowl. They're very empowering as a tool, uh, as tools to help you stay on track. What other tools are you using? Uh, I also do body composition scans. So obviously you have your average scales, you know, your bathroom scales. They will tell you just your weight. A body composition scan will actually give you the entire breakdown of what's going on in your body, like how much is muscle, how much is fat, how much is organs, how much is skeletal, and um, how much is water retention. So um, these I found really important because I was worried about losing that muscle mass. Um, and during all the training, I wanted to make sure I either maintained or grew my muscle mass because the more muscle mass you have, the higher calorie burn you can have, which leads to faster weight loss. So I definitely didn't want to lose muscle. And this was my way of being able to keep on track and see how much um, you know, body fat percentage I was losing. And it's just been a great tool. Yeah, they're great tools. Yeah, you know, and doing them. Amanda uses the body composition scans in her practice, and I can see that they add a lot of understanding to what's going on with your weight, especially when you know uh, what percent's muscle and how that muscle mass is changing as you work out. And, you know, your, your positive outlook and your very informed approach has just really helped you succeed. What advice do you have for others both early on and down the track from surgery? Yeah, definitely. Look, when choosing your surgeon, ask them if they have a dietitian as part of their care package. Um, well, it's one thing I noticed after my surgery is like, you know, on these groups when people were doing the wrong things, I'll be like, didn't your dietitian tell you that? And they're like, my surgeon didn't have a dietitian. I just got told liquids. So that's why they were going to Macca's and getting a frozen Coke because it was liquid. Um, so a dietitian with a surgeon is a massive advantage, um, and it really helps out in those early days. 
That's where I tell people, be selfish. Um, This is your time to make it work. You will need to invest the time into yourself. Don't be afraid to put yourself first for a while. I spent most of my adult life putting others' needs before my own and look at that result, what result I got out of it. I, I went on a path of gaining too much weight because I put everyone else before me. To get a different result, you need to do things differently. So be selfish, go to training, prepare your food and make it work for you. So listen up. When was the last time you invested in yourself? You are worth it. Absolutely. Look, lastly, document your process, um, your progress, sorry. Uh, pictures um, are hard to take before. You don't want to admit how big you've got, but seriously, save them. Don't let anyone else see them. If you don't want to share them, that's fine, but you need to take those before pictures. So you need to take them face on, side on, and from the back. Um, and But you will love them later on down the track when you can actually see how far you've come. So this is for your future self. Don't worry about your current self. This is for your future self to have those photos. Take your measurements. This is something I didn't do. Um, I didn't do it until I actually started training, which was already 23 kilo lighter. Um, So I really wish I'd taken my measurements of the neck, chest, waist at your smallest part, waist at your belly button, your hips, which is the largest part across your bum, uh, your thighs, even your knee surprisingly um you know people tend to say you know thigh calf and forget the knee but you know as a big girl you get or a big person you you carry a lot of weight around your knee so it's it's nice to see your knee shrinking as well um your calf and your upper arm keep these somewhere safe because i know i've taken measurements plenty of times and i've lost them so (laughs) (laughs) keep them somewhere safe and repeat it every month um and when i finally did start doing measurements I got so excited when I lost a whole meter, I don't know what that is in um, conversion, but a whole meter, which is 100 centimeters, off my body. Um, And if you're going to get body composition scans done as well, definitely get them done before your surgery. Um, So that way you can see how much muscle mass you currently have. So make sure that you're not losing muscle mass along the way. Right. And if you have, what you know you need to work towards getting back again. And that's where by, by introducing resistance training or, or lightweight training as soon as you can is really, really important for that muscle mass. Well, you heard it here. So remember, the five ways that you can prep for success include, number one, check out the surgeons and make sure they have a dietitian. Number two, fill your toolkit with your portion perfection, portion plates and bowls, and your bariatric-specific multivitamins. And number three, Exercise. Check out a gym or other activities that you can be a part of and that you can stay with, that you're going to have fun. And number four, be selfish. Invest time in yourself. Care for you. You are worth it. And number five, track the progress with pictures and measurements before and after you can do this. Thank you, Sonara, for sharing your story and the five powerful ways that you prep for successful surgery and where you are now. We just wish you continued fabulous success. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for having me. And I just want to do a big shout out to my support crew being obviously my surgeon, Dr. Chris Couch here in WA. Uh, Revel from Revs Fitness, who is my personal trainer that's kept me honest for the last 16 months. Uh, my family. And Sonora's five-step strategy for successful surgery can help empower you with the decisions that you make. And here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about your success. We want you to have 
as many tools for your toolbox as we can. So check out our self-development courses, check out our supplements, do what you need to do for yourself. Go back to the website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com, see what's available right now. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.